0: When I look at a picture of planet Earth taken from space, I don't see a big blue marble or a giant multicolored beach ball. I see a giant pizza with blue cheese and garlic cream sauce and all the living creatures are trying to get their slice of the pie. I'm Steve Fisher and this is Life Slices. Nick Allard from Cairo Seven TV in Seattle is back to share more stories of what it's like to be a meteorologist and being part of a TV news team on live slices. What do you think of the the weather guys on the big like on CNN? Whenever there's some huge storm back east, they send them right onto the beach with tidal waves coming in.
1: I have a friend that works at the Weather Channel, Chris Warren. When he and I were in Seattle together, he was the weekend evening on King 5, and I was the weekend morning. So we were buddies. I left to go to KGW, the NBC affiliate in Portland. He left to go to the Weather Channel. So he is one of those guys. He's great at it. He loves it. Typically, it's safe, as safe can be. You know, there's there's an element of risk to it, sure. But he he loves it. And his wife, actually, is a meteorologist at CNN. And so she's on air for national stuff as well. Now, I've never really understood why, when it is the craziest weather, you put somebody out there to say, oh, terrible out here. I understand. But I also don't because I'm worried about people's safety. But there is... There's an element of live that still matters even now when everything can be live because it's telling you what's going on and it's describing you really shouldn't be outside. You really should be inside because this is unsafe. So I I see the upside to it and the downside to it. And I always say, if Jim Cantore is coming to your town don't go outside because I mean something bad is happening. And he's a good, he's a good dude too. all. They're all good people. They all do great things. It just kind of depends on your perspective. Does it, does it again, further the story or is it just for just, just to have somebody live? You know what my friend does it, he and his wife, they're fantastic at it. And there's always an angle that says, this is why we're here, or this is what you should be looking for, or this is whatever it is. There's always something that helps. And especially in severe weather, they're they're telling you, you must shelter in place now. I mean, that's there's just no other way around it. So that's still hugely important.
0: When they send you to a, one of the local stadiums before, before a game, and it's a, way before a game, so there's nobody there. Is it creepy? No, in I mean, it's,
1: it is interesting. I remember being outside CenturyLink, or what is it now? Lumen, but it was CenturyLink at the time a couple of years ago. And we couldn't get into the stadium, but the Hawks, I don't know, it was a playoff game or something. And it was just a Friday morning. So we're there. I eventually got blitz, but blitz doesn't talk. So I'm there outside the stadium for two hours. And then by the last 20 minutes, I have blitz. And it's like, well, what am I supposed to do with this? It's difficult. I was in um, T-Mobile a couple of weeks ago, and I, I loved it. I, I explain who Blitz is. Blitz is, is the, the, the Seahawks mascot, and he's a great, they're all great people that are in the mascot, but they don't speak. Mascots don't speak. If you had Butch or if you had Harry the Husky, Butch T. Cougar or Harry the Husky, they don't. They, they physically do not talk while they're wearing the gear. It's a, it's a rule. So you can have them shaking their heads at you and clapping and doing cool dance moves and stuff. But, you know, it's, it's hard to fill a morning show when you can't have somebody else to talk to. So it's not creepy. Like when I was in T-Mobile, I, I played baseball through high school my whole life and I love it. Uh, I, I was, I'm in heaven when I was in T-Mobile. Granted, you are by yourself again and you're trying to fit in with the show and control your graphics remotely and that doesn't always work as well as it can, but It was fun, and I like switching it up. If there's a reason to be live someplace. I enjoy doing it.
0: How do you find the balance? Now, you talk about you come up for your segment, and it's lighthearted and stuff. But on a day where there's difficult news, how do you find that balance between the personality stuff and the somberness of the subject? Part of what we do
1: is convincing the producers and the people that we work with that they can build the show the way they need to and that we know when to tone it down and when not to. You know, everybody on our team has done news in some capacity at some point. So they understand that there's something heavy here, or maybe they've been a writer or a producer, but there is an element to it. You still have to think about, um, I'll give you an example. My first market, I was the evening weather guy at this point. So I had left reporting for probably a year. And this was, say, the 11 o'clock show, which in that market meant you were producing it. So we had our anchor, Janice. She was the anchor and the producer. So that's a lot to do. I mean, it's it's, it's not easy. So she's putting that all together by herself. She's getting all the video in, everything. When the show's going, there was always this tease at the end of the first news block. So you have like a 10-minute news block then a commercial and maybe another five to eight-minute one then a commercial. So the end of the first block, that'd be like a news story coming up in the next block, then a news story coming up in the next block, and then me. And for some reason, she would always put something really heavy there because she felt like we wanted to make sure you knew we still have some serious news coming away. And this is important. I get that. But I remember it got to the point where there was a full shot, just like as close as my face is now, or maybe a little bit closer, of Osama bin Laden. And then it dissolves from Osama bin Laden to me directly. So I come out of his face, basically. I was like, oh, oh my guess is uncomfortable. And I remember asking her, limit, can we please try to just maybe tease something lighter or move me from there? Because it's awkward. And so, you know, that, that sort of thing, that doesn't happen in Seattle. But we still have to remember that sometimes you can't have, you know, like a, a uh, I don't even know what, three deaths from a tornado in Alabama right before weather all the time. Sometimes you have to, because sometimes you want to make sure you tie it in. You can talk the science behind it, but you also have to find a way to not destroy people with bad news in the morning. And you have to find a way for moments, which I I call uh, organic moments. You can never, ever force interaction. You just kind of have to do it. And if you force it, it, it's, you can tell. So leaving space where maybe it's a slightly lighter story or something that sounds interesting going into like a weather or whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. But there have been plenty of times where I'm supposed to post something on social media and I flat out say, I'm not posting today. And I'll, I'll put something on there that says, if you need weather questions, please tell me It's this is too sad of a day. We're not. I'm not putting something lighthearted on social media. I'm just not. And most of the time, people seem to appreciate that. I I, do, I did get strange feedback on the day of the Capitol insurrection, where I think I put on there, I, I, all I wrote, I have no words. And somebody wrote back, gosh, I think they picked some some event in Seattle and said, well, you, you had words when it was this and the other thing. I was like, no, I didn't. Well, you're just telling us your opinion. I said, no, I'm not. I said, I'm just watching something on TV. I don't know what to say about it. Oh, okay. And so then they backed off. So you almost can't win in those situations. So it depends on what's going on, and it, the, there's an element of experience where you have to know, okay, this isn't, this isn't the right time to jump in on something crazy, or you even look ahead and see what story's coming in next, and if it's heavy, you just can't be as light.
0: So you seem you come across as a science nerd.
1: Mm-hmm. That's the truth.
0: I, I know you were as excited as I was with the NASA, the Mars landing. That was I was jumping up and down. I, well, yeah, we were too. Would you ever want to go to work for NASA? I think I would love that. I just
1: don't know if I'm smart enough <laughs> to be honest with you. I mean, I bring a lot of stuff to the table. I th- I think when it comes to science, I know a lot about, I know a little about a lot. How about that? A little about a lot of things. When it comes to history, I know a little about a lot. When it comes to movies, I know a lot about a lot. And there are certain elements of science where I can explain it, but it still hurts my head to figure it out exactly. So I think I could be a good fit for NASA if my role were maybe more media related, if there was some way that I was the guy that learned, say, what the rover was going to do, and then I explained it to you or explained it to somebody on air. I don't think I'd be pretty good at that. But if I was building the thing, I think it would catch fire. I mean, I you know, I can I can I can design some things. I've built a lot of stuff, I've renovated a lot of my house and I can do some stuff, but I'm not again, it's the same thing. I know just enough to be dangerous sometimes, you know, where I don't know that I'd be the good scientist at NASA where people would be looking at me like, oh yeah, you're one of those, aren't you?
0: So maybe. What if they said we want to send you to Mars to have you be the first weather caster oh on Mars? Do I get to come back? Is it
1: Elon's rocket? My my coworkers keep trying to have me take a one way trip, but I'm not doing the one way trip. I'll do a, I'll do a round trip. That'd be kind of cool. Although I threw up like a child when I flew at the Blue Angel, so I don't know how well I'd do. And sp-
0: um, do you know who uh, Gordon Cooper?
1: Oh yes, yeah, yeah, NASA astronaut.
0: Yep one one of the Mercury Seven astronauts, and I had lunch with him once in in L A. Wow. And I asked him, I said, you know, did you ever have you ever seen a UFO? And he said, yes. He said, oddly enough, not when I was in space. Yeah. He said, I saw it as a pilot. I've seen them as a pilot, but I never saw one in space. So I said, do you think there are, there's life on other planets? And he said, oh, absolutely. And they're here. I said, what do you mean they're here? He said, they're living amongst us. Wow. I said, what? He said, I met one at the White House at a, white house function it was a very prominent individual you would know i can't tell you who it was but i you would know him i would love to go up in space but i want to go on the starship enterprise i don't want to one of these things you know the-
1: I, I, you know I, I i was talking the other day about doing the space tourism thing but it's like two and two hundred and fifty thousand dollars or something like that It's yes. just no way but it would be fun to do something like that to say you've been in space but no i mean i i don't know that i'd be your best your best long-term NASA mission guy, but I I do agree with Gordon. I think that that's probably true. I think statistically, life has to be true. I think it's I think it's I think it's ignorant, meaning like you just don't understand something. It, it's ignorant or not knowing. If you say the entire universe is lifeless, it's impo- I think it's virtually impossible. I mean, they've done the math on it. They have to, even just in this galaxy with the number of stars we have. Um, I personally haven't seen a UFO. my dad claims that he has and I know from a young age he would tell me all that stuff he would he would have me watch documentaries with him he would have me watch things on science channels with him he'd have me watch all sorts of stuff so I've really been interested in that kind of thing for a long time. There are far smarter people than me about you know if there's the secret invasion if the scrolls are here or something like that but
0: you never know maybe
1: I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it.
0: Now, one last question about your meteorology work or about your your TV work. You guys, first of all, you seem so chipper (laughs) and and alive at a time in the morning when I'm still half asleep and and trying to get that first cup of coffee in. What time do you guys get in? How much coffee do you have to have before you go on the air? Not
1: that much, at least for me. Um, I get up at 2.20 and I get to work at 3.30 and then we're on the air at 4.30. And then we're on the air for till seven. And then every 25 minutes until nine. And then you have another show from 12 to one and meetings in between. It's a lot of fake energy. How do I, that sounds bad. It's a lot of, it's a, yeah, you you get used to, you're not acting, but you're you're able to kind of just project that you're wide awake, I guess. And then doing that kind of gets you wide awake. I mean, maybe that's our version of improv because for me, I don't have a script. And so I'm sort of in the moment trying to trying to be awake, trying to be on the edge of what they're going to say to me so I can respond. But there's definitely an element of coffee. Don't get me wrong. And I've had plenty of nights where I'm just exhausted to the point when the show ends, I'm like falling asleep at my desk. But yeah, I mean, that's part of the gig. I think that's why I'm better at mornings because you just have to be able to turn it on like that and stick with it. The night show it's, it's, there are far fewer hits. And so I get kind of low key and then I'm a little tired and whatever, but when I'm just going, 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 it's easier for me to stay in
0: it. When, when you guys have the banter before you get to your segment or in your segment as, as going into it, do you know what they're going to say to you?
1: No. And I don't want to know most of the time, at least, I mean, There could be a story that I have an idea, but I try, I I honestly, if I plan something, it doesn't usually work. I just try to have my brain as as empty as I can be so that they'll say something and I'm just going to try to react without thinking too hard about it. Because I think that that's more natural, that's more organic, and that can lead to just a more real conversation, I think. Sometimes, yes, you plan it. Sometimes you have to, but I really try hard to not. Because the, the harder I try, the worse I
0: am sometimes. Now, now you always refer to Justin, yeah. who I assume is your Dang producer or, or yeah. floor manager. What is, just, and, producer and, Justin is one of our is one of our producers when he he
1: gets in that like eleven o'clock at night the previous night, puts together one of the shows, and then is in the booth talking to us in our ear. But sometimes he'll just he'll come, I'll be speaking, and then he'll say, Hey, remember that time you had some Fritos on air, then you forgot where your shoes were, and then it was, was like, What do you what are you Justin? stop talking to me. Or Michelle will say, yeah, the is going to win like this. And I'm like, yeah, remember those Cougs just lost like 45 games in a row. And then all of a sudden, you know, you didn't have a team anymore and you're terrible on air. What? Stop. And so, because the problem is I wish he could talk so that you guys could hear him because I hear it in my ear, but that is, you know, good. So I, that's why I call him out. Cause I'm like, guys, they, people at home, all they hear is dead air of me listening and they can't tell what's going on. So I, I would I would prefer if we gave Justin a microphone where he could just decide a couple times an hour to chime in and say, yeah, Nick, let's get in sleep last night and way too much sugar. And you can tell you're kind of puffy this morning.
0: What, Justin? I get I get a lot of that. There, there was a kid show on when I was growing up called a- Andy's Gang. It was Andy Devine. And it was the old Western star. And they'd have all these side segments. and They had this old comedian named Billy Gilbert who would come out and do like a fake professor thing and, and be giving this speech. But there was this character Froggy the Gremlin, and Froggy—it was just a stupid little plastic frog, and somebody doing the voice off-camera, and and he would throw out things that would totally throw off Billy Gilbert, yeah. whose forte was total frustration and exploding <laughs> right. and stuff. So it would drive him crazy on air because Froggy would say, hey, "Yes," he would go, "No, no, no, don't say that." And,
1: that's what I'll do that sometimes. If I don't know what to say, that's just, I'll just respond that way. Absolutely. And, you know, oftentimes, if I don't know what I'm supposed to say, I'll just call myself out. I've decided that I, there's I there doesn't need to be any special formula. I like self-deprecating humor. I like just being as real as I can be and trying to think of something. And if it doesn't work, I'd say, man, I blew that one. And just move on, you know, or call out the mistake. Like, oh, I didn't mean to say that. Did I just make up a word? Sometimes I'll I'll combine things and I'll just stop and say, did I just really combine that? And thankfully, like M- Michelle Millman is so good at, at jumping on me immediately. What did you just say? And we'll kind of have fun with it, which is good.
0: That's what are you guys friendly oh, off yeah. camera? I mean, is that, is that not an act? Not an act. And, that, on TV. and you can tell if it is.
1: In my opinion, because I've, I've worked at places where for some people, it's always been relatively easy for me, but for some people, it is an act. And you, and in my opinion, you can see it, but we're lucky. It, it's just one of those that works. My last two places, the, this place and the place I was before in Portland, it just happened that we became friends and just fit. You know, I, I, I really think that there's a difference if you watch a team that you can tell gets along and a team that you can tell is trying to make it seem like they get along. And I'm not going to call any specific teams out that are like that. I'm just saying for us, we get along and you can tell it's genuine. It's far more genuine because viewers are smart. They, I mean, like you said, you're just trying to get a cup of coffee. You're not going to put up with BS at that hour. You're like, okay, if this is nonsense, I'm changing the channel to channel 13. I don't want to do this anymore.
0: No. And, and it's, it, that's why I say it, it is a great way to start the morning. Oh, thank you. If uh, for anybody listening, if you're ever in the Seattle area, make sure you watch the Cairo seven news in the morning. And it, it, it is fun. Good. I mean, You don't often think of news as fun, but it can be because, yeah, that you guys, what you know, you have a really good balance when to clam up, be serious and just report. And when you can just open it up and start joking. And I think experience is key
1: there. I think knowing being a journalist is key there. Experience matters. I think knowing your area matters. I think genuinely caring matters. And honestly, if you're getting up the hour we're getting up, you have to love it. And I think that will show. If you don't love getting up in the morning, and you're trying to uh, put on a three hour newscast and tell people that you're feeling great, and here we are, like it, it shows. You just you have to you have to just kind of live it. I think
0: is a way to call it. It's got to be especially difficult with three young kids. Extremely hard because they go to bed after
1: me now. It's getting to the point now where they're too old to go to bed. I mean, we we all what we do is we've kind of trained our kids to say get in bed around seven. And then now they're nine, six and four. The four year old still is going to bed around, you know, seven, seven thirty. The boys get to stay up around an hour plus and read or do whatever they want in their rooms, but they're in bed so that mama bear gets a little time and dad can go to sleep. So, I, you know, I'll go to sleep on a good night, seven o'clock on a bad night, nine. But I try to go to bed between seven and eight.
0: Well, Nick, thank you so much. Nick Allard is the the weather guy at at Channel 7. He will usually be there in the morning and at noon, but every so often he'll show up on a weekend or at night. Thank you so much for being on Life Slices, and I'll just leave you with one thought. Go Cougs. Go Cougs. And thank you for having me. If you enjoyed this program, please subscribe and like us on social media and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Life Slices is produced by Beatnik Ravens Productions, all rights reserved. Music courtesy of Fesleyan Studios.